You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Awesome. Man, baptisms are fun. I enjoy that. Did you guys enjoy that this morning? It's good. It's good. I just love it. It's just this horse trough that I borrowed from another church, and we just dunk people in it. And it's great. It's like, I wonder when people come by this building and they see this horse trough outside. They're like, what is, what is that for? You know, and it's like, it's for changing lives. So raised to death, you know, or, you know, uh, lowered in death, raised to life. So cool. Hey, uh, I feel like uh, I got a special message to share with you this morning. And um, I, I've really enjoyed really what's happening in our church during this time of prayer and fasting and even the testimony that's begun now. I don't know um, where you are kind of in your fasting. Maybe maybe you just heard about it this morning and you're thinking like, oh, I, I might start that. It sounds good. I want to encourage you. There's just never a bad time to just dive into spiritual disciplines and dive into what God says. When you do this, I will reward you. I mean, that. There's like never a bad time. And so I just invite you in any capacity to be a part of that, never to feel guilty because of what's going on in your life, but just to feel empowered and encouraged and strengthened. So that's normally the number one concern to me. People come to me and say, oh, I don't, I have dietary restrictions and I don't know, I want to, you know, I want to fast, but I don't want to feel lame because I'm fasting, da, 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 da. It's like, man, if the Lord has put that on your heart, if he's guiding you and urging you and you desire to get close to him, that's not lame. That's awesome, right? Like, that's just good. Amen. So I want to share a phrase with you. If you were there on Wednesday night, we had a powerful time of worship night. I feel like the presence nights have been awesome and, and really, really powerful. And the, the Lord's been moving in, in great ways. It's been really cool to see. Uh, and I feel like the Lord spoke a word to our church. And, and I begin to share a little bit on Wednesday. And I'm going to expand upon it today, if you're good with that. And I believe the word this morning is that God desires your heart. That God desires your heart. Hear me out. That the Lord desires the fullness of your heart. He, He wants to be near. He desires to be near. He desires all of it. Not a part of it. All of it. It's interesting as I as I think about um the ways I understand love and relationships and all these things, uh, I, I think a lot about the relationships I have, and one of the biggest of those relationships is with my wife. And I think about how I understand love. And it's funny because I remember uh, when I was getting married, some of my guy friends, I don't know if you, any of those married guys out there have had guy friends come and say this, and I don't know why they think it's encouraging or it's just weird. They're like, man, like this is the, this is the girl you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Like you're never going to be with another person. Right now, you know, things happen in people's lives, and so I'm not, you know, putting someone down if you've been divorced. I'm just saying like you start every marriage with the intent of like till death do us part, Right? You're with me. And they come to you and they're like, are you sure, man? Like, this is the, like, the one girl you're going to be with your whole life. And I'm like, yeah, man, of course I'm sure, right? Like, of course I'm sure. Because, like, she has all of my heart, right? There's not, like, Katie doesn't have part and then there's, like, Tina over here that has another 20%, right? Right? Yeah, because <laughs> she would murder them because she's a second-degree black belt. Truth? True. Is that True. Yes, it's true. She's trying to act modest. Anyways, but right, there's not like 80-20, right, with love. She, right, that, that, that makes sense. And so it, it's like, of course, she has all of my heart. Be, because I think you'd be worried if I said she didn't. 
right? And now I, I love other people, I, and I love other people who are also girls. I love my daughter who's a girl, and I love my mother who, who's a girl. Like, you know what I mean? I, I love other, you know, females on the earth. But my wife and the love that's reserved for her, she gets all of that. And if I told you and I said, we were talking about marriage, and we did a marriage weekend, and, you know, we had a panel up here, and I was like, yeah, you know, I, I love my wife. But really mostly on the weekends when I, when I can schedule it, then I love her. You'd be like, oh, word? You know, like, really? If I, if I told you I, I love my wife, but I don't know, I just feel uncomfortable bringing her up around my friends. You'd be like, oh, really? I'd be like, no, man, I, lo- I love this girl. I love her with all of my heart, but I just don't really want to tell anybody because I don't want them to think that I'm weird for loving her. He'd be like, oh, that's kind of, right? If, if I said, once I'm a bit more secure in my love, then I'll start loving her. But for now, she's just going to love me. What would you tell her to do? Run. Yeah, like run. Like your husband is awful. <laughs> like, do not marry this person. <laughs> if, if I was doing pre-marriage counseling and someone came to me and told me the things about their fiance that we sometimes say about the Lord, I would tell them to sprint away. Like run away. This person is not prepared at all. Because we give all of our love. We should. We should, right? We should give all of our love in that. We should choose every day to love. Because a a healthy relationship is 100% two ways. It doesn't mean it's not hard some days and difficult and confusing and frustrating. It doesn't mean some days it's not a lot of work. It doesn't require a lot of discipline. In fact, every day it's all of those things. And yet, you would all say, that it requires the fullness of, our, of my heart to love my wife. How much percent of my love can I give to another woman and still, you guys would still consider me in love with my wife? 10%, raise your hand. 5%. 1%. So no percent of my love that is hers, I can give to someone else, something else, and still say that I fully am in love with her. Now, I might not fully understand it. Now, I might not fully grasp it, but all of my love goes to my wife because I love you. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I say amen so they respond. I got that you responded. Don't worry. <laughs> and I think that's what's good about a loving relationship is there is a fullness and a unity of it. Right? A loving relationship is a beautiful thing. That's why relationships, when they turn unloving and unhealthy, are so damaging Because they're full of such joy and strength, such hope, such beauty. But they're also full of of work. (laughs) And they're also full of sacrifice. And they're also full of constantly giving yourself. They're also full of, as the imperfect person, of constantly laying myself down, right? And constantly seeking forgiveness. But they're beautiful. And most of all, a healthy relationship full of love is good. It's good. A relationship where, where I'm giving my wife all 100% of the love that she deserves and not giving, you know, 10% over here to this girl and 10% 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 and then I get in 30% for you. Not that, but the fullness of the Lord. Some of you are freaking out because you think about this, start teaching on tithing. Don't worry, we'll get there. <laughs> it's all the same thing. But I think it's important is that just like in my marriage, I can't get the fullness of that love and that relationship if my heart belongs to another. 
But you know what, as I was praying this week, and, and it's funny, when the Lord begins to speak, I feel like he, lately he's just been like yelling at me through like the voices of all these other people. It's like I'll get like six different people sending me, sending me the same word for the Lord in like the same day. And I feel bad because I can't text everyone back. It's just like, oh my gosh. But I feel like that what, what God has been saying to us is just like I can't love my, my spouse if my heart belongs to another person, the another is usually me. See, I'm usually the other person. Is that it's not so much often so and so and so and so and so. Usually it's me. It's that I don't give 100% because I leave a percent for me and loving myself. See, some of us will miss the fullness of a relationship to God because we're already married to ourselves. But God says there's beauty and there's hope and there's life and there's freedom and there's love beyond what you could ever imagine. And there's strength when you feel like you're weak and there's light when you feel like you're surrounded by darkness. If you'd be in relationship to me, but you can't be married to yourself. And so if some of you are wondering why the fast, right? Why fast? Why fast for 21 days, right? Is it just because we want God to do something for us? No, it's because fasting isn't just about hunger. I talked about hunger the other week. Fasting isn't just about hunger. Fasting is about humility. Follow me here, and please follow me in this sermon, is that fasting is about humility, not just hunger. It's about humility, not just hunger. See, for many of us, I believe that God has to kind of do a work in us before he's going to do a work through us and for us. He wants to do a work right here. Did you know that that's what Jesus is talking about on the Sermon on the Mount? He's not talking about you and you and you. He's talking about you right here, me. Because fasting is about humility. Let me ask you a question. Do you eat when you're, should you eat when you're full or when you're hungry? When you're hungry. Let me ask you again. It's, it's simple because sometimes the simple math of the reality of life, we begin to push to the side when we begin to think about Jesus and the Lord. So, uh, again, do you eat when you're full or when you're hungry? When you're hungry. See, when we're hungry, we desire to be filled. But I think what happens is most of the time we are filled with so many things that we're not hungry anymore. See, I consume on a daily basis food, technology. Nothing makes you realize how much you eat until you stop eating, right? For those who fasted, oh, my goodness, is every commercial during a football game Taco Bell? Is everyone? It's like Taco Bell, Bud Light, Pizza Hut, slide in another Bud Light, dilly dilly, we're back to Pizza Hut, right? Like, <laughs> and then it's like 30 seconds of football, and we're back to Pizza Hut again, <laughs> right? And nothing brings a realization that you're fasting because most of the time I'm consuming ideas, social media. Social media is a way for me to make a tiny website of myself and then just show you pictures of me constantly. Here, consume pictures of me. Like you needed that in your life, just more pictures of Pastor Josh. That's what you needed today. And it, it's a great tool, you know, we talk about it. Good tool, terrible master. But fasting says, I think I might need to reassess my hunger. Because it turns out in this relationship with the Lord, I think I might be the one that's broken. 
I might be the one that's not perfect here. And so I need to be constant about reassessing my priorities. And what I believe is as much as, as we, we talked about feasting on God and the fasting is about feasting, what, what I believe the Lord began to speak to me for our church is that we can't feast on God when we're full of ourselves. We can't feast on all that he has for us, both in the supernatural and the natural, if we're full of ourselves. But when we humble ourselves, there is a supernatural and a relational feast that comes through God. Right? We talk Psalm 63. I don't have time to read it to you, but write it down if you want it. Psalm 63 talks about when David begins to feast on the Lord, he doesn't just get these supernatural, big sweeping moves of God. He gets an intimacy and a relationship and a love that satisfies his soul. James 4.10, I love that Carson mentioned this verse. It's so powerful. It says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Some scripture says, and he will exalt you. That sounds even cooler. Lift you up. I mean, that's nice. Exalt you. That feels good. Humble yourself. See, when we humble ourselves, think about this, God exalts us. When we humble ourselves, that we're putting into the hands of God to exalt us. In Matthew 6, when, when, when Jesus is talking about fasting, and he says that God will reward you. What is he talking about? Reward you with the steak? No, he's saying he's going to reward you by exalting you, by lifting you up, by saying who, whose life is, who, in whom is my life? Is it in me and it's my responsibility to exalt me or is it in God? I believe, church, that humility will open the door to what God desires to do, not only in this church but in your life. Because if he's doing it in your life, he'll do it in the church because you are the church. So it always comes back to here in the heart. You know, we're going to do a series in, in a little bit called The Blessed Life, and I, I think people struggle with that word, blessing, but can I tell you, these principles and things we're doing, it's not so you prove something. It's because I believe God wants to open up and unlock blessing for your life. Because he loves you and he cares for you. And what father does not want his child to be blessed? Even me, broken. But he desires that. And when we look at humility, it opens it to the fullness of his spirit and his blessing and his love. When we're humble, it opens our heart. Are you with me? I want to tell you a tale of two Sauls this morning. It's cool because someone shared me, uh, I think it was Carson actually shared with me a video uh, teaching about King Saul. And it's funny because I was reading about uh, Saul who becomes Paul this, at the same moment. And it's, it's really cool. I feel like what the parallels between these two. So I want to tell you the story of two Sauls. Good? King Saul and Saul who becomes Paul. So King Saul... Let's start there. If you brought your Bibles, would you open to 1 Samuel chapter 9? We're going to start there. Words will be on the screen if you didn't bring your Bible, and they'll be available for you. And I'm going to pray this morning. God, I pray as we read this scripture, as we open your word together, God, I pray you continue to speak to us, that you would transform our hearts. God, our desire this morning, just like that song said, is for more of you. And so, God, we just pray this morning, more of you, less of us, because we desire the fullness of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Are you still with me? Yeah? You're still with me? 
I know your blood pressure's low. Y'all been Daniel fasting for a while. It's fine. In two weeks, you can have bread. You're going to be killing it. It'll be good. <laughs> no, it's good. But you're with me. Good? <laughs> Thank you, Desiree. I love you. <laughs> so Saul is the first king of Israel. Here we go. And if we go to 1 Samuel 9, here's what it says. It says this. There was a man of Benjamin from the tribe of Benjamin whose name was Kish. Good name if you're looking to name your children. Son of Abiel, also good. Son of Zeror, guys. Uh, Bekorath and Aphiah, a Benjamite, a man of wealth. So wealthy family. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. So wealthy, handsome. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he is. Double handsome. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. Tall and handsome. Calm down, ladies. Calm down. He's taken and super dead. <laughs> All right, so here's Saul. Saul is incredibly good looking. He's wealthy, and he's from the tribe of Benjamin. And if you remember from our Dreamer series, Benjamin was the youngest son, and he was just loved, right? So this, the tribe of Benjamin is a beloved tribe. It's a small tribe, beloved tribe. Uh, but the thing about Saul that we learn is that he was incredibly humble. He was incredibly humble. So he's wealthy, good-looking, double good-looking, tall, but really humble. And so what happens is that Israel decides, you know what, we want a king like all the other nations. Apparently the pillar of fire and smoke were not doing it for them. So they decided we want a king. And so Samuel goes and he anoints Saul. God leads him to Saul. And when he anoints Saul, what we see about Saul is that immediately the spirit of God comes upon him and changes his heart. Look with me if you would. If you have your Bibles, just flip one page over to 1 Samuel 10, 9. It says this. It says, when he, meaning Saul, turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. Hear that. God gave him another heart. It says, and all these signs came to pass that day. When they came to Gibeah, behold, a group of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God rushed upon him, and he prophesied among them. And when all who knew him previously saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, what's come over the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And a man of the place answered, a man of the place answered, who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb, is Saul among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. So Saul is wealthy, good looking, double good looking, tall, and now he's full of the Holy Spirit. And so we know he's humble. And when he's humble, and this humble man, even though he's all of these things that probably should have made him a little prideful, he, he gets filled with the Holy Spirit. He gets filled with the Spirit of God, for clarification, so nobody comes up and argues Old Testament with me later. Gets filled with the Spirit of God. And what happens is that God gives, gives him this fresh anointing to a humble heart. And follow me, because it's important because of how we're going to end. Is that in your life, God loves to use a humble heart. He loves to use a humble heart. Think, if, if you've read any, any of the Old Testament and, and you think of all, all the judges and people that were like hiding in, grains, in uh, grain silos and people that were hiding and God used them, 
They were of low stature, but God used them. Because Can I tell you, God loves to use a humble heart. He loves to use a humble heart. It's the reason he calls fishermen. Because God loves to use a humble heart. And it says God gave him a new heart. The spirit filled him. And so then what happens next is that all of Israel gathers together on this hill and they're going to, in this high place, and they're going to anoint a king. So they begin to go and they call through the tribe of Benjamin. And in 1 Samuel uh, 10, 20 through 24, here's what it says. It says, Then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken by Lot. And when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, is there a man still to come? Basically, where is he? And the Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Okay, this is another way of saying they anointed him king, or let's put it into context. They elected him president. They said, congratulations, you won. And they all looked around from stage and said, where he at? And they go to the storage closet, and, and one of the interns opens the storage closet and goes, guys, he's in here. He's hiding. He's, he's hiding in the baggage. <laughs> They're nomadic, so it's storage. So Saul, who's wealthy, good-looking, double-good-looking, anointed, he's tall, he's tall, I don't know, and all of these things, he's now called to be the king of Israel, is hiding in a storage closet, and why? Why? You think he'd be like amped, like you're king now, man. But no, because Saul is humble. Saul is so overwhelmed by the weight of what he's called to do that he's almost fearful that he runs and he hides. That he's so low, that he's so in his own eyes, in his own eyes, he's unworthy that he goes and hides. That's how unworthy he sees himself as. And this and the word that, that, that I heard this week that, that was so profound that I had to go back and, and read and get into it is, is crazy to me is that Saul was born on Mount Mizpah, which is a great name too. And Mizpah in the Hebrew means to be bent low. And when I, read that, when I heard that, I had to go back and I was like reading through like this, this is like too poetic in the nature of life to be true. Right? But it is, is that Saul was born on Mount Mizpah, which means to be bent low, and he starts off humble. He starts off low. He starts off in his own eyes feeling unworthy of the calling, feeling unworthy to be king. But if we jump ahead, though he was born on Mizpah, which means to be bent low, he died on Mount Gilboa, which means to be exalted. So Saul, who was born low, begins as God begins to exalt him, as he begins to be successful, as he begins to get wealthy, as he begins to get comfortable, as he begins to live this life, he begins to read his own press clippings, become a little bit full of himself, and all of a sudden he's prideful. And in his pride, he pushes away God and removes the blessing of having the living God with him and for him and walking in the anointing. And so he's born in humility, but he dies on the mountain of pride. He used to think, God, I just need your strength to make it. And he switched and he began to say, God, I'll get to you when I make it. I'll get, I'll get, I'll get to you. 
I'll do what I want, and then you get what I give you. And he became so full of himself that it leads to his death. And I won't read you in 1 Samuel 31, but he ends up falling on his own sword, literally killing himself on the mountain of pride. That is the most poet. You, I don't, that's the poetry of life, right? That's like, if you write a book, you're still not writing that good of an ending. Like, that's powerful. And in 1 Samuel 15, 17, the Lord speaks to Saul when he basically removes the anointing for king and, and David's going to be king. And he, and he basically pushes Saul away because Saul refuses to obey. And he says, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king of Israel. He's saying, when you were small to you, when you were humble to you, when you were bent low to you, when you were emptied of you, look what I did for you. I exalted you. But now that you're exalting yourself, you're going to be bent low. Are you with me? Because I really believe, and I, we see it in the business world, we see it in life, we see it in all kinds of things, is that pride can promote you. It's true. You can be boastful, prideful, self-centered, self-focused, but it can't sustain you. So pride can get you up the hill, but you'll die there. Like it can get you up Gilboa, but that's where you're landing. Because we believe that, that pride is, is what eats him away. I started with Saul because I'm going to jump to a Saul that I like a little better. <laughs> and I like King Saul. Maybe it's a bad guidance. But I want to jump to Saul who becomes Paul. Because I think this is where we see the change. It's because Saul was born from the same tribe, also from the tribe of Benjamin. So both Sauls come from the tribe of Benjamin. Both are religious. Both come from wealthy homes. I don't know if this Saul is good looking. For the sake of argument, he's decent looking and not as tall. Sorry, ladies. He's 5'11". Didn't make the cut. No, I don't know. But in this moment, we, we find out about Saul and who this Saul is. Is that this Saul comes from the same tribe as wealthy and he's all these other things. So I'm going to read from you real quick Philippians 3, 3 through 6 says this, and this is, this is now his name is Paul, explaining himself. He says, for we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God on the glory in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh. So he's telling people, don't have confidence in the flesh. And he goes, but though I myself may have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And this is where he flexes on it, all the Philippians. He says, circumcised on the eighth day. So he, he follows uh, the religious rites of the Hebrew people. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So he's of a good tribe. And then he throws down this line, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Bold. As to the law, a Pharisee. So not only do I follow the law, but I'm a Pharisee. I'm a uppity up in the law, able to teach and guide in the law, right? I'm not only in the law in the sense of following it, but also in enacting its legal justice as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. He says, not only am I zealous for the Lord, but I persecute this other weird heresy over here. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Not many people can say that. Blameless. 
What he's saying here is, if you want to talk about credentials, I got credentials. If you want to talk about the flesh, I got flesh. Just like Saul, King Saul was good looking and wealthy and good looking and tall and anointed, all these things. I got some credentials too because I came from a good tribe and I enact the legal justice of the law and I'm blameless under the law. And you guys can't say, you know, like Saul's laying it down and saying, that was my credentials. But do you know what happened to Saul? God met him on the road is that Saul, with all of those credentials, meets God. God encounters him on the road to Damascus. And I'll sum it up for you if you haven't read this, is that God meets Saul in Acts 9. Write down Acts 9 and go read it in your prayer time. God meets Saul in Acts 9 and encounters him on the road, knocks him off his horse and blinds him. What's another word for what he did to there? What he did there? He humbles him. He humbles him. See, all of the accolades, all of the credentials, it doesn't matter how wealthy, how good-looking, how structured, how, how for the law he was. In that moment, he was humbled. In that moment, this Saul was humbled. He was bent low. And so now both Sauls are in a moment of being bent low, but both make a different decision. Because what Saul, this Saul realized and remembered is what we know about Jesus. Matthew 23, 12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. See, God met him on the road and he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You have all the credentials. You have all the religious zealousy. You got the career figured out. You feel like you're fine and comfortable because you make the amount of money that you decided in your 20s was going to be a decent amount in your, in your later adulthood. Like you're feeling good. You're on your path. You know, you've done this. You've done that. You feel good. But why are you persecuting me? Because you're going through all the religious rites, but you've rejected the relationship that I desire to have with you and the love that comes from it. And he humbles him. And why does he humble him? Because God speaks to the humble heart. If you're on this fast and you're crying out, or maybe you're not fasting, you say, God, I need you to speak to me. I need, to give you, I need you to give me wisdom and clarity. Am I going in the right direction? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, am, am I in alignment with you? I'm confused and I'm lost. Can I tell you, when you look at Saul, what, what the truth is that he speaks to a humble heart. Both get a fresh anointing when they're humble. They get clarification and clarity from the word of God when they're humble. See, Saul, the king, who starts humble, everything goes to his head, and he dies exalted to himself on the mountain of pride. But this Saul, who would become Paul, who would write all of this, I mean, a huge chunk of the New Testament here, when he's humbled, he responds, and he says, God, I want more of you. I want all of you. Speak to me, because when you encounter the living God, it changes you. And so he's humble, and he responds in humility, and he becomes filled with the Holy Spirit. And so though he gave us his credentials in verse 3 through 6, and I'm believing this is on the screen, uh, 3, 7 through 12 in the follow-up, and you can follow with us, he says this, Though I had all those things, whatever gain I had, I now count as lost for the sake of Christ. All the wealth, all the zealousy, all the status, all the stature, all the career, all the position, all the friend group, all of these things, what I had I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
He says, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain resurrection from the dead. See, when Paul says everything else is rubbish or garbage, he's not saying that, like, friends are trash or, like, a nice house is trash or anything that is trash. He's saying compared to God, everything else is so small because nothing compares to the love of God. Nothing. Nothing compares to the love of God. Nothing in this world can satisfy my soul like God does. Nothing can satisfy my heart like God does. And so what Saul is saying is I would, and I have gladly laid down all the riches of my life in order that I might enrich my soul because the riches of the kingdom of heaven are so much greater than anything that I can fill my heart with. And his prayer changed. It changed from what do I have to do, that's religion, God, what do I have to do, religion? To God, how can I draw nearer to you, relationship? Right? How can I? I just want to get closer to you. I just want to draw near to you because nothing compares to your love. God, this week can't be fixed by me just getting a bonus. That might help in the bank account, but it can't help in my heart. It's not going to make me feel more secure. I need you. I need you. I need you. And it's interesting as, as we were at presence night, we were talking together and, and I was sharing and I really felt like the Lord is saying that he desires to fill us with that love. Just like Saul, just, just like Saul who became Paul. And he desires to fill us like he filled Paul, that we might know the fullness of God, that we might know the fullness of the Lord, that it's like nothing else contains. It's like, it's like eating and feasting on the most delicious food you've ever had. It's like, why even go back over here to these stale corn chips? Because this is so good. I love this so much. And there's just more and more because God is just giving living water and, and life. Why would I even go back over here? Because I just want to get full of more of him. But I feel like God say, I, I desire desire to fill you, but I won't fill you if you're full of yourself. Follow me here. I desire, God desires to fill us. How is he going to fill us if we're already full of us? See, when do we eat? When we're hungry. When does our heart eat? When does our heart hunger? When does our heart long? When it wants to eat. But if we've already satisfied it with all the counterfeits, how are we going to get anything else in there? If you ask me for a cup of water and I bring you a cup of rocks and then begin to fill it with a little bit of water, you're going to be like, that's great, but you should get all this other stuff out of here so I can actually get what I need in my life. And again, when I say pride, and this is so important, I'm not talking about being loud. I'm not talking about being boastful. Sometimes it comes that way. I'm talking about being about me, being about me. You can be the most quiet, reserved person, analytical person, not going to jump up and down, not going to shout down the preacher. You can be the most quiet person and still be prideful because we can all be prideful. That's what sin is. It's pride. 
I want what I want for me because I'm God. And I think it's interesting that when we use the phrase full of ourselves, it speaks to fullness. It speaks to being full. In fasting, you realize how much time you normally spend in your stomach full. And what a weird feeling it is to not have your stomach full. And sometimes your stomach groans and it moans. And we're like, oh my gosh, I need to fill my stomach. For some of you, your heart has been groaning and moaning. You're like, oh man, I don't know what that is. I just feel sad. I'm not feeling worship today. So yeah, because your heart is groaning and moaning to be full of God because the fullness of God is so good. And the reason, can I tell you, it, it's so much easier for me just like pick, pick a book and us for to go through it. It's hard to do constant topical preaching on spiritual disciplines when you've only been the pastor of a church for 10 months. Right? Because I'm banking on a lot of things. A, y'all love the Lord, or 90% of you, <laughs> and, and the rest of you that you'll be gracious to me because, I don't know, I just seem fun. I don't know. <laughs> And also the other side is I'm baking on another thing is that you desire the spiritual disciplines that God has given to unlock blessing in your life. See, the reason we teach on prayer, the reason we teach on fasting, the reason we teach on giving isn't because it makes my life easier when you don't eat or because I live fully needing your money. That's not how it works. I don't care what you eat. I believe in the Lord that he'll, that he'll build his house without your money. But I, I believe in blessing for your life. I believe in unlocking more of God for you. And I don't want you to drink a cup of rocks with a little water in it. I want you to drink the whole thing, the fullness, and be satisfied. Because God has so much for you and so much for his church and so much for this place. And so it's not, it's not easy if I'm being transparent to always teach on strong spiritual disciplines. It doesn't lead to lots of fun lunch meetings during the week. as like breakthrough, 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 everything's good, youth pastor's message. But can I tell you, if you want real sustained breakthrough in your life, it's going to come because humility opens our heart to the fullness of God. Humility in our life opens. When we say, God, here's what I have off limits to you, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. You have given 10% of your marriage love as the bride of Christ to a different woman. We say, this is off limits. Katie, we should get married. But just a heads up, I also super love this person, and it's selfish of you if you tell me I have to give that up. That'd be selfish of you because I love that, right? Don't judge me because I love this other thing. We would never say that. Some of you are like, that's a terrible example. That's okay. We understand it in every formula but our own lives. And this is what I'm trying to, trying to share from the, from the word this morning. Is that if we are full, we cannot be filled. We're full of other things. If other things occupy that space in our heart and our time and our life, it's real hard to get filled. It doesn't mean that God can't move. and can't, God can do whatever he wants. But it speaks to our heart when our heart is hard and full. And as we humble ourselves, can I tell you? It's not easy. Fasting's not easy. Giving's not easy. Prayer. And these things are not easy. But as we do it, we receive more of who God is. You're not, we, we don't do this to prove anything. It's not like, oh, if you fast 20 days, then you get like a 90% blessing or whatever. No, we just fast because we desire more of God. We desire the fullness of God. Ephesians 3.17 says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know the love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. So you don't have to earn it. He says it's a gift he's given you. And I'm not sharing spiritual disciplines and these practices and these things and these principles because you've got to earn it. But I, can I tell you, there's so much more than just getting in the door with the Lord. There's so much more. There's so much more for your life. There's so much more for your family. And that's why these things are meant to humble us, not hurt us. We just come before God and we say, God, I desire more of you. God, if there's anything in me, there's anything in my life that I've put off limits to you, that I begin to fill my life with, God, I just surrender that to you. He knows you're not perfect. He already sent his son for you. That love's already here. That victory's already won. But we're saying this morning, God, if there's anything in me that, would, that I have filled, that I have put, that I have separated, God, remove it because I want all of you. Are you with me this morning still? One last thing. I'm going to invite the band up. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. Good, good, good. I know we got serious there. Like, bring back the funny beginning part, but it's important. This is my last point this morning, is that breakthrough starts with humility. If you've been praying through for breakthrough in your life, if you've been praying for breakthrough in your heart, I, I believe that it starts with humility. It starts with a humble heart. James 4.10, again, we're just hitting this verse so hard. Is humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. When you humble yourself... God will exalt you. That's good news. I think sometimes we treat some of these words like, like, they're, like they're bad, repentance, humility. These are good things. When I humble myself, what does it say? It's not like everything levels out. God will exalt you. Think about that. Think about what that means. Stand on his promise. God, when I humble myself, when I bring myself low, when I, when I humble myself before you, not as a beaten dog crawling at your feet, but as someone who's just saying, God, I, I'm constantly feeling myself, constantly lifting myself, constantly being about me. But when I, when I lay it down at your feet and I give it to you, you reward me with your power. One last perspective, then I'm done this morning. Is think about if my daughter knew, she knows that I love her. She desires to be with me. And so I say, hey, if you want to be with me, let's sit together. Let's talk. She said, well, I don't want to have, I, you know, that's it's earning your love. I'm like, no, it's just talking, right? Spend time with me. Be with me. I want to, like, give my love to you. I, I want to reward you. I can reward my daughter in her life way better than she can reward herself. She can just pick out toys I already bought her. <laughs> Think about that in your bank account. See, when God exalts us, when God lifts us up, when God raises us up, there's breakthrough. And I believe that for you. And that's why we fast. Is as you humble yourself, God will exalt you. It's a promise. It's a promise from God. And word says that God is always faithful to fulfill his promise. And you kind of got to decide what Saul you want to be. Do you want to die on the mountain of pride or do you want to be exalted by God? And in deciding who you want to be, you have to ask yourself, what am I full of? Am I full of me or am I full of the Lord? And it's constant. It's constantly reassessing. That's why we're constantly praying, constantly fasting. Because some days I feel really full of the Lord and some days I get really full of me. Amen. 
and I got to go, no, Lord God, I, I come low. I, I bring myself to you, and I humble myself, and I give it to you, God. And you're a loving Father, and you wrap me in your arms. My wife shared a presence night. Some of you are afraid of that move because you don't know trustworthy love. And God is here this morning to say, if you humble yourself, I will exalt you. I will bring breakthrough. I will bring life and joy and hope. If you would just humble yourself, I will exalt you. Can I tell you that breakthrough you're praying, you're praying for in your life, it comes through an open heart of humility. God wants to bring breakthrough to you. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I'm going to pray, pray over you a couple things. And the first is this, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, I, I just believe the Lord is, is speaking to our church this morning, that he wants to fill us, but he won't fill us till we're empty of us. That we have to release us. Some of you got a thing in your mind. Maybe it's your past experiences. Maybe you had a father who made you earn his love, and now it's very difficult to understand just humbling and coming before because you feel like you got to be perfect and you got to earn it. But he's saying right now, it's not, no, it's not it. He's saying, listen, my child, I love you. And if you humble yourself, I'll exalt you. Maybe for some of you this morning, you're full of anxiety and worry and all these things, money or, or your career. And, and if you were really honest, you would say, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. It's not meant to make you feel guilty. It's made to make you feel honest and release into the fullness of God. Don't feel guilty. There's no guilt or fear in love. But you're saying this morning, you know what? I need to lay down something inside my heart. Every eyes closed, every head's bowed. I need to lay down something in my life because I, I've been full of maybe myself or a thing or a focus that's not him. I'm giving 10% of my love away, 20% of my love away, 30% of my love. But I want to give all the love that belongs to the Lord to the Lord this morning. So my prayer this morning, and I'm going to invite you in just a second to lift your hand. But if you're praying, God, remove anything. I, I lay down everything inside of me for you because I desire to not only give you all of my love, but receive the fullness of your love. Would you just lift your hand with me? Every eye closed, every head bowed. You're saying, I desire fullness of God. And leave it raised. If one of your arms gets tired, lower that one, lift the next one. Desire the fullness of God. I'm just going to pray for you this morning. Well, God, I thank you so much for your love. God, I thank you that we don't have to earn it. God, I thank you that your victory over death, hell, and the grave has brought us life through you. And so, God, I thank you that our call is just to humble ourselves before you. And as we humble ourselves, you say you will exalt us. As we humble ourselves, you say that you will lift us up. You will raise us up when we're feeling low. And so this morning, God, I pray for every hand raised in this place that are saying, God, I lay everything down in my heart. I empty myself of myself so that I might be full of who you are, that I might be full of your love, that I might be full of your spirit. I desire more of you, God. So God, whatever that is, I lay it at your feet this morning. I lay it at your feet, Jesus, and I say, it's all yours. I bring myself low, so, and I trust that you're gonna lift me up. 
I bring myself humbled, and I trust that in your time, you will exalt me. In Jesus' name. Second thing, eyes closed, head bowed. We're almost done here this morning. Our band's going to lead us in just a moment. But last thing is, if you're praying and believing, eyes closed, head bowed on this fast for a breakthrough in your life. And you're believing, God, as I humble myself in this fast, I'm believing for breakthrough in me and through me in my life. I just want you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray for you. You're believing for breakthrough this morning. Come on. I'm going to encourage you as I pray to believe again. I want to just encourage you, especially those whose hands are raised right now who suffer from just chronic um, illness in their body. I just want to encourage you that the Lord sees you and loves you. And that it, as I'm fasting, I'm praying for you too. And I'm standing in belief with you. And I'm standing on the promises of God. And I just encourage you to believe again. I'm going to pray for you this morning. If you're believing breakthrough, lift that hand up. Say, God, right here, right here. Lord God, I pray breakthrough in the lives of this church in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, by his blood, I pray breakthrough in the lives of this church right now. Right now, God. God, we're one week in, but God, I still pray breakthrough right now in the bodies. God, I pray breakthrough in the health right now in lives. God, I pray breakthrough in finances and jobs and work situations. God, I pray breakthrough in the hearts and minds of those who feel like they are forever trapped in a cycle. God, I pray breakthrough from that cycle. God, I pray breakthrough from families who have been isolated and broken apart. God, I pray you would draw them together, break through the walls of hard-heartedness. God, I pray for the sons and daughters who have walked away from the faith. I pray breakthrough in their lives right now. Right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray breakthrough in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's what I'm going to do this morning, because it's 1130. Our worship band is going to lead in a song. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward and be up here for prayer. I'm going to officially dismiss you, but if you'd like to stay and just receive in this moment, our band's going to play. And uh, we're going to worship together and sing together and declare together. But if not, you're officially dismissed. And I hope to see you back at 1.30 for our Foundations class of new believers. But if not, God bless. Have a great day. We're going to worship and we'll see you.